Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. On this episode, we're going to be talking about some quick and easy things that you can do to get ready for the fly fishing season, get ready for a fly fishing trip, or just an incremental throughout the year checkup on your gear to make sure it is doing what it should be doing so that you should be doing what you want to be doing. But we're going to talk about six quick and easy things, but we're also going to talk about six things that kind of take it to the next level. So it's kind of 12 things. It's you're buying one and getting one free. I'm all about value for you, the listener. So thanks for listening again to this week's podcast. So I'll get right into it because inevitably there will be a few rabbit trails that we will be chasing down as we go through this list of six things. Firstly, line. I love fly line. It is an underappreciated uh, but necessary uh, aspect of your fishing gear. And good fly line will be durable. I mean, you do dumb stuff with it. If you leave it wet, if you drag it up against an ice shelf, something like that, it's going to it's gonna have problems. But under normal circumstances, if you take care of your things, then it's, uh, it's going to last you. That being said, it can last you even longer if you take the simple step of inspecting it and cleaning it, inspecting it and cleaning it. If you inspect it, you might find that you have a nick or something like that right above where your um, welded loop is or whatever your connection is. That's going to be the place where you're going to have the most immediate failure if you're taking care of your line. Um, it, you know, you could always have a situation where it gets rubbed up against something and you get a nick or a scratch or even a little tear in the, the coating somewhere further up and the, the head of that line, those first 10 feet in particular. But more often than not, you're going to find a failure at that point where there is a hinge. The most notorious um, uh, culprits for this is the uh, heat sink um, uh, loop connectors. Those are not my favorite. I uh, they, they work, especially for most trout fishing. Uh, but what happens is you have the application of heat to apply them. Uh, and then you also have kind of a rigid uh, point that your fly line is going to bend against uh, while you're fishing, but even while you're reeling it you know, onto your reel at the end of the day. So if you use that system, uh, contemplate replacing it using uh, just a, a really good nail knot with some heavy duty monofilament. 
Um, but check that. Um, check also your welded loop. But check that first 10 feet. Um, and it's very, very easy to do. Just go with your fingers, do a visual inspection because you can have lots of cracks, especially if it was put away wet or if exposed to extreme conditions for too long of a time. You're going to have small cracks that you're not going to be able to feel. Uh, and, but they, what they'll do is if you have a floating fly line, it's going to become a sink tip fly line very, very quickly if you don't take care of that. So check that out and then clean it. Uh, the, the minimal way to clean it is to just use a very gentle soap, something like Blue Dawn, or one of these, you know, no residue, eco-friendly, you know, dish soaps that you could use, and just, you know, soak your stuff in that in your fly line in in a in a sink with some warm water in that, and then run it through a paper towel. Uh, even better though, and here's where you say, oh, I could, I, I, I don't need a fancy tool to do this. You're right. You do not need a fancy fly line cleaning tool to clean your fly line. You can use an old rag. I really enjoy Loon's line cleaning kit because it comes with the cleaner and the lubricant, and it comes with a little double-sided wooded block with a little pad in the middle. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to pull my line through that cleaning pad and apply pressure in more than uh, the, the location where my fingers are coming together. So if you're using a rag, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling the fly line through that rag and you're pinching it. Uh, with that rag. And so it's the surface area of your thumb and your forefinger, right? If you use this little block, which I'm sure you could make yourself, but you know, for $8, whatever it is, it's certainly worth worth purchasing. Uh, by squeezing that down, uh, you, you can pull your line through that and it's going to apply pressure across a wider uh, stretch, which is good in particular if you're doing it cleaning and lubricating, you're able to get more surface area. It's just this simple way to do your, your line cleaning. Um, what is probably going to be part of this, um, but I would say is taking it to the next level if you do this very deliberately, is do a really good job of rewinding your fly line. And I would even say that as good as it is to do this at home, um, you could go to a fly shop. And if you are a customer, uh, or if you say, hey, I'd like to you know, get some leaders and stuff for the season, uh, would you mind rewinding my fly line? Uh, that's a great thing to do, especially if you do clean your line and you're stripping out to the, uh, the, the backing. Um, you're going to have parts of your fly line that haven't seen the light of day unless you're making 80 and 90 foot casts or having lots of fish that are running into your backing. Um, and so you're, you're not going to get that nice, tight, wrapped uh, line uh, for for that first you know 40 feet, 50 feet of your fly line that you, you are going to want stacked in there nice and uh, good little circles of, of line next to one another. So if you go to a fly shop, they can do that for you. They can pull it off onto a separate spool on their line winder and then put it back on a nice tight um, tight, tight coils. So that is something that it would be kind of that second step in taking care of your line. But if you're going through all of that work of pulling your line out and cleaning it, and you don't have some sort of mechanism or some sort of strategy for doing that yourself very well, um, then go into a fly shop and, and, you know, reel it all back in there to clean it and then have them zip it on there. But, you know, make sure you patronize them while they do that for you. So that's the line. The second thing is your reel. Um, if you're messing with your fly line, you're messing with your reel. So rinse the thing out. Look in it, rinse it out, see if there's any debris, see if there's anything that's up against the um, the gears, if it's a click pawl reel or the gears and the drag system, if it is a uh, disc drag reel. And this is a very important thing. I mean, if you get a little bit of grit 
uh, in those gears, it's going to cause problems. Uh, they, they could seize up in a worst case scenario. It can cause um, you know rust or corrosion, and it can also just lead to it not running smoothly. Inspect your springs, especially if you're using a click pawl reel. If something seems like it is getting um, you know bent, if it is getting worn, then those are things that are super easy to replace and repair. You can call up your manufacturer. And the last time that I did it, I think I spent eight dollars for a, a whole click pawl assembly to go and replace it on the inside of the body of my of my reel and so it's very very simple to do and very easy and it's better to do now than when you're out on the stream uh, so that's the easy way to look at it. just rinse it out make sure it's clean uh, if, if you know your way around uh, around a reel or if you're mechanically inclined uh, take apart some of the simpler components and look underneath them this is true especially of a click pawl reel where you have gears and you have springs if you're able to remove them carefully keeping them where they're supposed to be and knowing where all the screws go and the, everything's orientation um, then you're able to clean underneath these things you'd just be so surprised at how much grit and how much nastiness gets into small places when you're on a trout stream the very same thing that make a trout stream healthy having a lot of stuff in the water uh, not just bugs but also the stuff bugs live in and it's a, you know little silt and things like that rocks twigs leaves it gets into the weirdest places i'm always just so shocked when i clean a reel or like when i clean a shotgun that i've been out in the in the woods and the water with how deep into the machining of this you know the the parts of these these uh, pieces of equipment bits of leaf and stick get. And so cleaning that out on the front end is always better than having it cause a problem. So how do you take it to the next level? Uh, the, the next step would be lubricate it. Um, most reels these days um, are going to be sealed drags, especially your big saltwater reels. And so they're not going to need a lot of lubrication, but there's still points on that reel where you can add lubrication. Very, very gentle oils and lubricants are going to be uh, the, the recommended uh, things that go into lubricating a reel. Uh, so check your instruction manual, uh, open that thing up. If you don't have the physical copy of it anymore, hop online and see what is recommended and where the points of lubrication are, are required. And if you can't find that, or it seems confusing, call up that, that company and say, Hey, how should I take care of this? Um, and, uh, they could give you that information. It's a small investment, both in time and in purchasing. But it, if you like the way a brand new reel feels, you can probably get your reel feeling that way, assuming you haven't dropped it or you haven't caused some sort of major trauma to it by cleaning it, by uh, doing a, a good deep clean, and then by lubricating it. All right. So we have line maintenance, reel maintenance. The third thing is waiter maintenance. Now, this one is very simple. And I have a lot of waiter content in the back of my mind because this is one of those things. I just It blows my mind that people go through waiters as fast as they do. Uh, maybe I just pussyfoot around the, the stream bank and I don't do the kind of things that most folks do. But maybe I take care of my gear a little bit better than a lot of people do. But I'm sure the waiter companies are more than happy for you to buy a new pair of waiters every two years. Um, but the easiest thing to do, if you haven't been fishing in a few months or if you have multiple pairs of waiters and you fish maybe with one in this season, another one in that season, is just check for rot. Just inspect it, a visual inspection along the seams. Uh, you might have taped seams and the tape might be fraying. Uh, you might have um, belt loops or you might have the stitching on your waders. Just look at that real fast. Uh, that that Those are quick and easy things to do where if you notice it now, then you're not going to exacerbate the problem by, uh, you know, walking in them and, uh, and, you know, cinching up your belt real quick, but looking at them now and, and just adding a little bit of like a UV epoxy, um, that's made for waders, uh, or a patch that came with your waders now on the front end, when you're seeing that problem start to develop, when you're seeing that fraying, you can completely, uh, you know, eliminate in most cases, and certainly mitigate a lot of the problems that are going to happen to waders as you continue to use them 
them where there's their stress points. But the other place that I would say, the two places are down by the booty, the, the neoprene boot on your waiter. Um, look at where that attaches to the waiter body, which a lot of the you know contemporary waiters have the integrated gravel guards. So it really cuts down on those problems quite a bit. Uh, but look at that spot. See if there is any uh, any wear on that. See if the taping that's there, is there any problems? See if there's any cracking in the neoprene. But then also just look around the, the, your foot on, on your waiting booty. Look at your heel to see if there's wear. Uh, and look around your foot. You know, just like you have a pair of socks that wears out in your heel, maybe wears out in your toe, uh, depending on how you step and how you walk. Look at those same places on your waiting booty. Uh, you want to figure that out now rather than later. Now, if the neoprene fails, you're not going to have a lot of DIY solutions, uh, at least none that I've found that are super efficient or comfortable. That might require sending it back to the manufacturer. But if you can figure that out now on the front end, again, you can take care of it um, a little bit faster. If you want to take it to the next level, you want to do the, the next um, level of gear prep, then take that pair of waders into the shower with you. Don't wear them into the shower. That's weird. Um, and uh, fill them up with water and, well, excuse me, don't fill up with water. Fill your tub up with water and uh, and then, you know, put some soap in there and then uh, allow your waders to kind of have some air in them. So I like, you know, um, uh, stand them up like there's a person, an imaginary person, them, kind of flop them around so that some air gets in the legs and the body and then cinch it around um, where your armpits would be. So cinch around the chest and put it in the um, in that soapy water and then kind of squeeze and move your legs up, your arms up and down the legs of your waders. It's very cumbersome to think about that and say it. Um, and if you get any bubbles that are forming from the air coming out, you might find a pinprick uh, in, in those waders. Um, and what you're also doing at that point is cleaning your waders, which is another way to keep them uh, working well. Uh, there's no place for abrasion, abrasives to hide uh, if you have a clean pair of waders. So that is your quick waiter checkup. Um, fourthly is boots. So you got your waders and you also have your boots. Uh, the easiest thing to do here is check your laces and check your soles. There are few things that can be more infuriating than a broken waiter lace. Or if you have a boa system, a broken boa system. Uh, look at those things now. Uh, take your, your, your laces off of your waiting boots and do a quick inspection. Uh, is there a knot in them at a weird place? Are they starting to fray? You know, you have those, um, I don't know the fancy word for them, but where they have the heat shrunk plastic on the end of your uh, boot laces, uh, is that come apart? And if that comes apart and it gets wet and it gets frayed, it's really awkward to try to re-string that through your waders, especially if you have normal eyelets. A lot of, of waders, uh, at least up until um, you get to your, um, your like the top of your forefoot, are going to have the rings, but then some of them still have the normal eyelets like you have in sneakers once it gets up past your ankle. Um, and those are terrible to have to thread a fraying lace through. So a pair of boot laces is five bucks. So find that out now, replace them. And then also I would say, look at your soles. Look at the sole of, it's important to look at your sole right? Anyway, look at the sole of your boot and see if it is wearing in any, in any place, if it's coming apart. Uh, that's another just, you know, easy fix, add a little bit of epoxy or glue in that spot. And you're probably good to go for another few months or until you find a new pair of waiting boots that are on sale. This, the, the next level uh, thing for waiting boots is kind of a thorough cleaning. And I think the most important thing with this is one, you look at the places where grit can hide. Uh, so you look at seams, you look at eyelets that are used for drainage, little ports, look at those places, um, and then take the, the, the insole out of your waiting boot. 
um, I've had insoles that start to slide on me. And the reason for that is there's all that grit as you're waiting. Even if you have gravel guards in, uh, you're going to get little microscopic grit that gets into those waiting boots and that, that accumulates. And so you basically have this fine particulate pile that starts sliding around inside of your waiting boot that will cause some of that wear and tear on that neoprene booty, as I talked about earlier, but will also cause the edges of your insole to start to be filed down. And then that will move around and that will become loose and it's not going to be where it's supposed to be. So it, it can be um, best case scenario, a nuisance, worst case scenario, it can cause wear and tear on the inside of your waiting boot and on the inside of your, or the outside of your waiting booty. So you just got to take it apart, clean it, rinse it out. You'll be shocked at how much stuff is hiding underneath uh, your waiting boot, especially if you fish someplace that has a lot of uh, dissolved stuff uh, f floating about in, in the water. Okay. So uh, we've gone through line, through the reel, through the waders, the boots, now flies. This is a wonderful thing to do. The easiest thing you can do is look around your gear. If you didn't do a great job putting away your gear at the end of the season, or you're just kind of in this constant state of fishing with different packs, different fly boxes, and different sets of waders, and you've got flies in your hat, and you have flies on your dashboard, and you have flies at your fly tying bench that you've tied, but you haven't put in your box yet, and there's just flies everywhere. Um, now is the time to get them all into one place, get them all into one place. And something I've said before, and this is certainly not revolutionary, nor is it uh, that, that big of a deal, but I like to take those flies and after the season goes on, that becomes my fly box. The stuff that I find stuck to my little fly trap fly holder on the outside of my pack. The stuff that I find um, kind of thrown loosely into my boxes because I'm using it all the time. Uh, the stuff that I find in the back of my car because it's what I'm snipping off as I get off the water. Those flies go into a fly box and that is my primary fly box. That's the box I'm going to go to more often than not. So now's the time to go through your gear, go find all of those loose flies, find all those random flies that are spread out all over the place. The last thing you want is to be looking for a particular fly or, you know, three or four of those, those patterns and not know where they are. So now's the time to do that and go through all of those things. The other thing that I don't do enough myself and, but I would encourage you to do if you have more time, if you wanted to ratchet this up a little bit, as far as, um, really being prepared for the season or being prepared for the next stage in the season, is just organize your flies. Uh, stuff gets put in the wrong place in the, in the heat of watching a trout rise stuff gets put in the wrong place when you're thinking, okay, I'm going to leave this dropper on this dry fly, but I'm going to put it back in this box. And so now you have the wrong kind of fly in the wrong box. Um, go through all of those things, put things where they're supposed to go Do that quick visual inspection. Is there rust on the hook bend? Is there uh, still tippet sticking out of the hook eye? Is the hackle so smashed down that this fly is the kind of fly that I would only use if I was in an extreme emergency, it might need to come out of the box and just make a mental note or a actual note on your phone or on a piece of paper that you need to retie or repurchase, you know, a half dozen of, you know, parachute atoms or whatever it might be. So with flies, it can be as simple as just gathering them from the far corners of, you know, the earth, or it could be as complicated as doing a full fly box reorganization. Last one, last, I mean, there's lots more stuff you can do. Let's be very clear about that. But the last thing for, for this podcast is your license. Make sure you have your license. Uh, if you live in a state that goes 365 days uh, from when you purchase your license, uh, that that's almost harder to keep track of. I like that model, especially for states that I am not a resident of. 
I like that model of, of, you know, I buy it on January 1st and I'm good till December 31st, or I buy it on, you know, July 15th and I'm good until July 14th of the next year. Um, when when you buy licenses that way, just double check. You can com become complacent um, because you've had your fishing license for 11 months. Now's the time to double check, um, both as a conscientious steward of the environment, uh, but also as a law-abiding citizen. So check that out. Make sure that you have what you need um, for where you're going to be fishing. It's so easy and convenient. There's been plenty of times uh, in recent memory where I've been sitting on the trout stream um, in across the border. So I live kind of close to Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I realized, oh man, I bought my Massachusetts license, but not New Hampshire one. But I'm sitting there on the stream bank and I quickly on my phone, go ahead and log in and buy my new license. So it's not hard to do, but that'd be more fun to do at home rather than on the trout stream. And certainly more fun doing it uh, beforehand rather than getting stopped by a conservation officer and getting cited for that. The next thing, which this is next level, but at the same time, this is kind of what you should be doing anyway, just check your regulations. Check your state reg book, little handbook, see what's new, see what's different, see maybe, it could be minor, it could be that a parking lot uh, is closed, it could be that you have, um, you know, the catch and release section has been expanded a little bit, it could be that a stream that had a certain classification now has a different classification. Just go through those things very quickly, there's an, an, a tremendous amount of information that can be found just by going through those regulation handbooks and just interesting things about stuff that you don't already know. That's kind of the, the simple and silly way to, to talk about it. All right. So six things plus one, how to inspect and clean your line, rewind it if necessary, how to rinse your reel, but then lubricate it if you uh, have the time, energy, and effort. And I would encourage you to do that. Inspect your waders. And then if you have the time, check them for leaks. You're going to find out if they have leaks one way or another. It's nice to do that in the comfort of your own home than out on the, on the river. Uh, your boots, look at the laces and the soles, and then take the boots apart, take the laces out, and do a full clean down to keep them in, uh, in operating performance. And then also uh, flies, consolidate them, bare minimum, organize them if you have the time. Buy your license, make sure that you're legal, and then check your local regulations if you uh, want to sit down with that little guidebook, which I like the physical ones so much better than the uh, online ones. The online ones are just incredibly cumbersome, in my humble opinion. This week on castingacross.com. Uh, two articles. The very first one that came out was on Monday, and it was a great little article. I talked to Chelsea Lathrop of uh, Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. And uh, she talked to me about some of the education and outreach programs that they have up in the state of Maine. They are for Maine residents, but they're also for the great number of folks who come from other parts of New England and throughout the country to visit Maine and take advantage of all the sporting and outdoor opportunities that they have in Maine. So I go through a handful of things, a handful of reasons why they're doing these things. And I touch on a very cool camp for kids that is based off of one of the more entertaining reality TV shows. And to be honest with you, uh, one of the only reality TV shows I've watched in my entire life, um, uh, Northwoods Law and a camp based off that. So check out that article, um, which came out on Monday and was called Main Priorities, Education and Outreach. Wednesday's article was called, There Are Flies on My Shirt. I have a shirt and it has flies on it. And it receives more, I wouldn't say compliments, I would say comments, than virtually every other piece of clothing that I own. And this got me thinking, what is it? What is it about this shirt? What is it about this particular garment that gets people talking to me? 
And so I come up with a few hypotheses about this. And this is probably a, a, a situation or circumstance that you have found yourself in. If you have had the audacity, or had the courage, how about that one? Um, had the fashion sense, that's even better, to wear a uh, loud, some might say, um, stylish is my preferred uh, adjective, uh, piece of angling clothing. So check that one out and see what you think. See what you think about the shirt because there's a picture of that shirt with me in it on that article. This week's recommendation on the podcast is something I mentioned earlier in the show, and it is Loon's uh, line cleaning tool. It's a $9 uh, little wooden block with a pad uh, in, in the middle of it that uh, allows you to clean your stuff. It's just a little sheepskin cleaning pad. You can clean it It's uh, and, and you can use it over and over and over again, but it's a great way to clean your line. But along with that, Loon has a suite of uh, different uh, fly cleaning uh, gels, and lubricants, things like that. There's their, um, their fly line cleaner, which cleans line. There's a line speed, which it cleans line as well as condition and uh, lubricate the, the, uh, the, the line. This one's great because this one is thick and it uh, it will fill in cracks. It's not going to be the solution to a very significantly damaged fly line, but it will fill in those micro cracks. There's another one called Streamline. This is a lubricant and a floatant. So this is a great thing if you have an older line and it's starting to dip on the, the end of it where you want that best floating for the dry fat presentations. It's a little bit looser uh, than the uh, line speed gel, but it's an, an excellent product to have on hand. There's also uh, one more uh, that's called uh, Sink Fast, which is a spray, and uh, you put it on sinking lines, and it is going to uh, improve the performance of the sinking uh, fly line as well as lubricate your, your line. So very simple things. Every one of those products was between like six and nine dollars. Um, you can throw them in your pack. You can have them on your desk at home or in your workbench. Um, you can even get a kit with a line speed, which is my favorite line lubricant, as well as the line cleaning tool together. So I'll put a link to all of Loon's line care products on the show notes for this podcast page over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.